0: We're in a series called Joy and Peace, that's what Jason uh, said earlier, and this is our Christmas season, and we thought, gosh, we need to focus this year on the joy and the peace that come to us through Jesus. I mean, that we've gotta talk about that because of all the heaviness that we've walked through on planet Earth, and so uh, that's what we're gonna do today, but I'm gonna start on a little bit of a heavier note. There's a show called Intervention. Have you ever heard of the show Intervention? Yes. And it is like in its 23rd season. And let's be honest, it's a sad show because it's all about addiction, it's uh, families and loved ones uh, that have a a family member, a friend who is in the the grips of addiction, and they basically, they step in, they, they create a moment of intervention where they're going to put a fork in the road of saying, look, if you keep going this way, it's gonna destroy you, it's gonna kill you, but there's a better way for you. And as we look at the Christmas story, I want us to talk about the intervention of Advent. When Jesus steps in, when God orchestrates Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they they orchestrate a moment where Jesus is going to step in and he's going to put a fork in the road for humanity. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Week one, we talked about the interruption of Advent. We talked about the interruptions of life and how God divinely interrupts, you know, if, if your life was just one, this constant line that he has a moment where he interrupts our lives. Week two, we talked about the incarnation. Last week, what, what it means that Jesus took on flesh. And then this week, we're talking about the intervention, the intervention of advent and the coming of christ at advent is the greatest intervention it's a fork in the road for us a new and redemptive way forward altering the course of our lives and altering the course of eternity but there's one aspect of the intervention that i want us to focus on and we're going to find it in mary's song if you go to luke chapter one if you have a copy of scriptures and read this with me I'm going to have it on the screens for you as well. But this is Mary's song. So Mary has just become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She's gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's much older. Elizabeth was barren, and now she's become pregnant uh, by God's grace. And And she's pregnant with John the Baptist, who's going to go before Jesus. He's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And so she visits Elizabeth, and they have this incredible moment of greeting. And then Mary is just kind of overwhelmed. It's a divine, spontaneous moment where the Holy Spirit brings a song out of her. So I don't know if you ever greet someone like that way. You know, you see an old friend, maybe when you see your family for Christmas, you're going to walk in the door and just sing a song, right? No, it's just not normal, okay? They might look at you kind of weird, but hey, if the Holy Spirit does that, that's okay. You just go with it. But that's what happens in this moment, and it's a beautiful song. We're gonna read it Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And I just want you to sense like there's something welling up the soul, the spirit, the inner part of her is just like, just overwhelmed with God. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, All generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our descendants. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this this very first Christmas song ever written written by the Holy Spirit in Mary's heart. It's called the Magnificat because of the very first line which says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, uh, Mary at this point is a pregnant teenager. She's probably around 13 to 14 years old and she's... Betrothed, meaning she's engaged to be married, but she's not married yet. And so there's a little bit of God sort of, he he steps into this moment with this young lady at just the right time, and he risks the scandal because he has a plan for Mary. And though she's Steeped in the Jewish tradition of retelling the scriptures and celebrating the feast, and she has the, the 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 depth of her her people's history. There's something incredibly both historical and prophetic about this moment that Mary sings about, this spontaneous spirit-directed song. And the one aspect, as I was studying this passage, the one aspect, there was a word that was repeated in there and it just kind of grabbed me and and I thought of Advent and and the intervention and I think this is it. Christ's coming is God's intervening mercy. It's the first thing I want us to understand today. Christ's coming is God's intervening mercy. That word intervene simply means to come between so as to prevent or alter a, a, a course of events, right? Something's going this way, you're going to step in, you're going to intervene so that it can go this way. And there's this intervention of mercy, and we see it in the, the passages here. He's, she says, the, the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. Later on, she says in 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy. This is why Mary is magnifying the Lord. This is the thing that's welling up inside of her is the mercy of God in bringing the Christ child. It wasn't uh, a mercy of, you know, she had been barren and now she's pregnant because she's only 13 or 14. It wasn't that um, she was trying to increase her TikTok or Instagram following, Right? You can see the selfie of like, pregnant with Jesus, son of God, right? (laughs) Follow me, I'm gonna keep you updated, daily updates. (laughs) No, she's an unknown peasant girl, unknown. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, by the way, she is trending in that the, the, the name Mary is the most popular name for a female of all time, of all time. Number one is Mary. All generations will call me blessed. But that phrase from now on actually means like, behold, surprise. Peasant girl, unknown, teenage, unwed mother. And all generations will call me blessed. And so it wasn't that she was pregnant or barren. It was, wasn't that she was you know, wanting to be known. It, it, it was that... The Savior had come. Just imagine her people have been telling her someday a Messiah is coming. Things here are really hard. Our people have been through the ringer over and over again. But guess what? Someday, someday, a Savior is coming and it's an intervention of mercy. That word mercy, it it literally means a kindness or goodwill towards the miserable or the afflicted. It's joined with a desire to help them, to, to do something. It's an undeserved kindness or compassion. That's a key word. It's an undeserved kindness or compassion, you may have heard it said this way if you've been around church very long, is that mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Grace is giving someone what they don't deserve. Do you see the difference? Not giving someone what they deserve. It's this goodwill, it's this compassion, it's this kindness towards people that are miserable, people that are afflicted, people that are in need. And she says, the mighty one has done great things for me. Meaning, the one with power. The one with the power to do something. The one with the power to help has helped us, me, people who do not have the power to help ourselves. She says his name is holy, meaning the the one who's holy, who's perfect. By the way, that is the most prominent characteristic of God when the angels are, are worshiping him at the, in the throne room, they say, holy, holy, holy. They, they don't say love, 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 or grace, grace. They say holy. This is his name. He's totally other. He's perfect. He's, he's holy. The holy one has shown compassion to unholy People. And Jesus' ministry was, and is, by the way, filled with mercy. It's filled with mercy. There's lots of examples we have from the life of Jesus. There were, uh, in Luke 17, there were 10 lepers. Lepers would have been filthy, outcasts, people, stay back, don't touch them. They're in constant quarantine. And they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he does. All 10 are healed. He says, Go, your faith has saved you. We have the blind beggar who sat on the side of the road. And now, if you're like a 90s Christian, you know, blind man sat on the road and he cried. A blind man said, any, Anyone? Yeah. Thank you. A couple of you have been around a little while. And uh, he cries out again, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus does. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Mark tells us in Mark chapter one of another leper who comes and kneels and, and he, he says to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean And Jesus, Mark says this, he was moved with compassion. He's moved with mercy. And he heals him, he touches the untouchable leper. Luke 7, he sees a widow who's obviously lost her husband, but now she's lost her son and the, the mourners are there and they're carrying the boy out in his funeral procession and she's weeping and Jesus has compassion. He has mercy. And he says to the woman, do not weep. And he raises her son from the dead. Jesus was full of mercy, and he is full of mercy for us today over and over. He was mercy manifest. I found this quote from John Piper, Johnny P. I like to call him Johnny P, because I don't think he would like that very much, but he says this. Jesus' entire ministry was shaped by the insight that mercy is the ultimate meaning of God's law. That's interesting. And since Jesus came not to abolish but to fulfill that law, he was the incarnation and manifestation of the wealth of the mercy of God. The wealth of the mercy of God, a God who is rich in mercy. And Jesus manifests the richness of mercy and he just heals and delivers and saves and is just filled and moved with mercy. And friends, don't we need mercy? Hello? (laughs) I need lots of mercy. And I bet you need mercy, too. And maybe you've seen the mercy of Jesus in your life. I can almost guarantee every one of you has seen his mercy. This Christ child coming is the coming of mercy, and Mary sees it. But it's interesting because she sees it by faith. And that's key for us today. The the second thing that I want us to understand is that faith forecasts God's intervening mercy. Now, uh, when I became a Houstonian, I'm originally from the Austin area, and when I became a Houstonian in uh, January of 2015, I learned the value of the weather forecast, okay? Because in Austin, it just you know, it doesn't rain a whole lot. Here, it's like, oh my gosh, we, we've been through a tax day flood. We've been through Hurricane Harvey. And so if you've been in Houston very long, you probably know, like, you probably need to watch the forecast, right? We, we want to know what's coming. And, and there's this thing about faith, and we see it in Mary's song, that she's forecasting God's intervening mercy. And she uses the phrase five times, and it's this, he has. He has. He has. Now, he means he, God, acting on our behalf. He's the actor in the text, in the phrase, not us, not us doing things for him, not earning his salvation, not doing anything to, to garner the, the, the mercy. He has acted on our behalf. He's the ultimate intervener. But the word has is past tense. And by the way, the song contains at least 12 references from Israel's history. I mean, it is a rich song, and I don't think that a 13-year-old girl is gonna be able to just compose that on her own without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 13 or 12 references from Israel's history. And it's rooted in the historical mercies of God. And you know, see, faith says this. Faith says what God has been, He will be. What God has been, God will be. It's the story of scripture over and over again. God uses the weak, the humble, the lowly. The older serves the younger. The youngest becomes the king. The stutterer becomes God's mouthpiece. Notorious sinners become close confidence. It's just a story of mercy and repeatedly and historically, the Lord had scattered the proud and toppled the mighty and exalted the lowly. He had satisfied the hungry with good things and he had sent the rich away empty. Mary knew the testimonies of her people. She knew the stories of God and she believed what God has been God will be it was their story and by the way it's our story too we see his mercy we see his mercies here but i i believe that in your history you've got mercies and yet that phrase is a prophetic past tense it's a prophetic past tense To say he has is to say with with certainty what he is going to do. She hasn't seen the 10 lepers yet. She hasn't seen the, the blind man by the side of the road. She hasn't seen the other leper kneeling. She hasn't seen the widow's son. She hasn't seen all these things yet, but by faith, she sees it. And she declares he has done mighty things. It's a prophetic past tense because faith not only says what God has been, God will be, it also says God will be what God has been. And interestingly, she proclaims this, she sings this in the first trimester. She's probably not even showing yet. The angel said, you're gonna be pregnant. She's probably feeling some changes like, yeah, I think I'm pregnant, pretty sure. But Jesus hasn't been born yet. The child's not been delivered. She's never seen all these things. And in the middle, in the waiting, she proclaims, he has. He has. Because faith sees what isn't seen yet. Paul said it this way, we walk by faith and not by sight. And in the middle of teen pregnancy, in the middle of Roman occupation, in the middle of hardship, maybe you are there in the middle of loss, in the middle of grief. Maybe you're in the middle of anger Maybe you're in the middle of sickness, or sadness, or the mundane of another day, another dollar. Maybe you're in the middle of waiting. You're in the middle of just normal life. Or you're in the middle of preparation. And I think there's something for us as believers today that we need to join in Mary's song and proclaim the prophetic mercies of God. Does that make sense? This has been a hard season for many of us. Most of you that I know have been through something incredibly difficult. In fact, the Christmas coming up may be super weird and difficult because of whatever you've endured over the last year. It's been a hard season. And yet, in the middle of this, we don't know what tomorrow holds, yet we can say the forecast for tomorrow, the forecast for whatever comes next is this, mercy. The forecast is mercy because what God has been, God will be. And God will be what God has been. Like Elizabeth saying, Blessed are you who has believed what the Lord has spoken to her. Friends, we by faith can forecast God's intervening mercies because Jesus Christ has come. And he has has helped his servant Israel remembering his mercy. And I have... One point of kind of big application to date, and it's this don't block God's intervening mercy in your life. Don't block God's intervening mercy in your life. You're like, what do you mean? How do you block the mercy of God? Well, um, the other day we had a little plumbing issue in our house, never a good thing, okay? And uh, if you're not a homeowner right now, just, you know, enjoy renting wherever you are. And then someday when you own your home and then that plumbing backs up, guess who you're gonna call? You're gonna call yourself first because you're cheap and you're like, okay, I'm gonna try to fix this myself. Okay, so that's what I did, right? I go into that bathroom and I'm like, you know, and here's the thing about plumbing. If you think of a pipe, right? And you have an inlet and you have an outlet, right? And if, what went into the pipe didn't come out, you got a problem, and nothing more can go in. Amen? You understand this, right? Basic understanding of plumbing. If what went in didn't come out, more cannot go in. That was the situation happening in our sink, and with the screwdriver and some other things, like I got like some nasty black stuff out of there, and it works just fine now, praise God. Um, and I did it all myself. But it got me thinking about mercy, because the Bible talks about mercy almost like the flow of water. In Lamentations 2, uh, uh, sorry, Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, it says this beautiful passage, you probably know this passage, you probably say this, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And it's almost a picture of like the dew on the morning grass. It's like it's, it's there in the morning, and I don't know why there's water on the grass, but in the, in the morning, it's there every single morning. And it's like his mercy, like water. It, it, it's continuous. It's flowing, and it's new for us every single day. And yet Jesus in his teaching taught us that we could block it like the plumbing in our house. And there's two ways that Jesus talks about this. Uh, the, The first way is that we can block the inlet of mercy. So if this is your pipe, this is the inlet, we can block the inlet of mercy because there's a heart in us that can be rebellious that says this, I don't need it. I, I don't need mercy, I'm fine. You say, well, you have sin." I mean, I didn't kill anybody, I, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need the mercy of God. In verse 51, Mary sings, he has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. And this is a pride that believes that we're better off than we, than we really are. That's what pride is. It's, it's putting yourself up. It's believing that you're better than others or better than you really are. And this re, this rebellious heart says, I don't need it. It's, it's unwilling to accept God's word about our situation. You know, Father, Son, and Spirit orchestrate a moment. Jesus comes in. It's like, you're, you're sinful and you're bound for destruction and hell, but I've come to do something about it. Here's the intervention. Here's the way forward. It's mercy and it's for you. And you say... I'm fine, I don't need it. Another way that we block the inlet of mercy is with a religious heart. And the religious heart says this, I deserve it. I prayed the prayers, I went to church, I I gave money, I served some people, I, I did all the stuff, God, I deserve your mercy you owe me. And it's a religious pride that believes we're better than we really are. Because God looks at our righteousness like he did in Isaiah and he says, even your righteousness is like filthy rags. It's, if it's all about your works, it's not enough. So we can block the inlet of mercy with a rebellious heart that says, I don't need it, or religious heart that says, I deserve it. But we can also, Jesus says, we can block the outlet of mercy. Jesus said things like this, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Meaning when mercy's flowing out, I'm gonna bring more mercy flowing in. Or be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. Or there's another parable in Matthew 18 of an unforgiving servant and a king has come back to his land and he's settling accounts and there's a servant who owes him 20 years wages. So whatever your income is, times it by 20 and that's what that person owed him. And guess what? He didn't have it. So the king says, well, I'm going to throw you and your whole family in jail until you can pay me back. And the man pleads and says, no, no, please, please have mercy on me. And the king does, but that servant, he leaves and he goes and he finds another guy who owes him a day's wage, whatever that is for you. Imagine that number, a day's wage. And he grabs the man by the collar and is like, pay me back what you owe me. And the servant says, I don't have it, I I can't. And he has him thrown in prison until he can pay back every last penny And the king comes to him and says, Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? You see, mercy came in, but it didn't go out. And Jesus says to him, So also, actually, the king hands that servant over to the jailers to be thrown into jail. And Jesus makes the comment, so also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Jesus says this look, mercy's come for you. But if it stops with you, no more mercy is going to flow back in. These are strong words of Jesus basically saying that if you and I do not forgive, if we do not show mercy, then there's no more mercy for us. We are under God's judgment. Forgiveness is a massive thing in the kingdom of God. Why wouldn't we forgive somebody? Well, there's a rebellious heart that says, forget God's way, I'm gonna do this my way, and I'm going to make these people pay. Or there's a religious heart that says they don't deserve to be forgiven. I'll give them what they deserve. But the gospel says, in God's great love, mercy has intervened for us in Jesus. Kindness, goodwill, to the undeserving. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. But God intervenes anyway. And the key, the key is what Mary says. If you wanna unblock the flow of mercy in your life, the key is what Mary says in the beginning of the song. My soul, Praises the greatness of the Lord. It magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because He has looked with favor on the humble condition of His servant you want to unblock the flow, if you want to receive the intervening mercy of Jesus, it it cannot be a rebellious heart. It cannot be a religious heart that would block the flow. It must be a heart that says, I am humble before you. You've had favor on my humble condition because just like water, mercy runs to the lowest places. So, let me close with this. Have you been blocking God's mercy in your life? Is there an unbelief, a a, a rebellious thing that's like, I don't need it? And maybe today, mercy's calling your name. Or is there religiousness that says, I deserve it, I've done all the things. You owe me, God. And perhaps today, mercy is calling your name. Advent declares mercy has come. His name is Jesus. And the gospel call is always this, simply this, every time, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Turn back. Turn back to mercy. Trust in the mercy of Jesus. The second thing is this. Are you in the middle of something? You're in the middle of hardship. You're in the middle of loss. You're in the middle of anger, grief, mundane, normal. You're in the middle of something in which you need to forecast God's mercy. I want to call you today to remember what the Lord has done for you. Remember his mercies and prophesy mercy while you're in the middle because God will be who God has always been. And what God has been, he will always be. And today, let us magnify the Lord for his gift of intervening mercy in Jesus Christ on our behalf. And may we be a church that lavishes mercy on one another. May we be people who are just forgiving. We're forgiving others, forgiving each other, forgiving those who have harmed us and hurt us, who've pained us. May we be people who forgive and lavish mercy because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his name is holy. He's remembered his mercy to his servant, Israel. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.